Good morning. That was a quick minute, quick five seconds. How's everyone doing this morning? I just want to say thank you to the kids volunteers, kids church volunteers. Can you give the kids church volunteers a hand? Thank you so much for serving on a Sunday morning, raising up the next generation. Um, we, how many of you are football fans? Well, that's, that was kind of weak. Even though I'm not a football fan, <laughs> let's, let's give a hand for the football fans who are in the house of God today when they, <laughs> Super Bowl Sunday. Um, we actually were supposed to have Pastor Norman here this week, uh, but he, and then he called and he said, hey, do you know that it's Super Bowl Sunday? I'll come anyway. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I want you to come next week. So next week, Pastor Norman, he's uh, the founding pastor of Grace Bible Pro site on Oahu. He will be with uh, us next week. <clears throat> Excuse me. That woman, Camille, that uh, preached a couple weeks ago with Pastor Kalai from uh, Oahu, that is her pastor. And so um, we, had a, we had a small group meeting. You know, every week we have small group meetings. And uh, one of the men were saying, man, I don't, I'm intimidated to pray after listening to that lady and how she raised the dead and she prayed for, you know, an hour and a half to see this, woman, uh, this person raised from the dead. And I can't pray like that. And a story came to mind, and I, I don't know if he's going he's gonna to share it. Hopefully, he won't watch this video. But that past week after, it was actually the chief of a Samoan, uh, a Samoan family that passed away. And all of his, you know, uh, his family asked Pastor Norman because it was all over the news and everything that somebody was raised from the dead. And so anytime somebody died, they called Pearlside Church on Oahu asking for them to come and pray. And so... Uh, you know, him being the pastor, there was all this pressure on him, and then he got called to this Samoan chief's house to pray for, uh, to pray for this Samoan chief to get raised back to life, and there's all these huge Samoans in the room with the chief that's dead on the, on the uh, table right in front, and they said, please pray. And so he was, he, he took one of his uh, executive pastors, they went over, and he's this small Japanese guy, he's going to be sharing, but he's powerful, powerful man of God, and he's going to be sharing next week. And uh, they, they came in, he looked over at his ex executive pastor and says, what should we do? And he's like, you're the pastor. He goes, let's just pray. So they got down on their knees and they put their head on the ground and they prayed for 15 minutes. And after 15 minutes, the guy didn't come back to life and then he thought, now I'm going to die. <laughs> and he stood up and then uh, all the all the Samoans started clapping and said, thank you, thank you for trying. And, and um, when, he left the, when he left the house, he thought, oh, that was such a failure. But then God said, no, you're obedient. And that's what God just asks of all of us is to be obedient. And so don't be intimidated by, you know, Pastor Camille or different ones. When we step in the game and we believe God for big things and God tells us to step out and pray, we pray and then we leave the results up to God. Amen. So he's going to be here next week. Um, please invite your friends. It's going to be an uh, amazing time. He's, he's the reason why I'm married. Um, <laughs> you're like, what does he mean by that? Um, and I, I was dating Joss for uh, probably like a year, a year and a half, and I was going to his church. Uh, my dad actually discipled Pastor Norman, and that's how Pastor Norman got saved, and he now pastors one of the largest churches on Oahu. And then uh, Pastor Norman helped disciple me when I was in college, and then I was uh, dating Jocelyn, my, my wife, who uh, was nice enough to marry me. And, um, and I remember it was a year and a half, and Pastor Norman looked at me. He's like, are you going to marry this girl? 
And that was like one of the most um, frightening questions that I've ever been asked by a senior pastor. And, uh, and I said, I don't, I don't know. And he said, don't you hear from God? Aren't you a Christian? <laughs> I was like, yeah. He goes, I'll give you two weeks. And I said, two weeks for what? To make a decision. You either marry her or you break up. And I'm like, oh, geez. <laughs> so for two weeks, I fasted and I prayed and God spoke. And uh, he's the reason why I'm married. Well, I, God revealed to me that I love my wife. Do you guys want to hear that story? Because that sounds really bad if I don't explain it. So um, when, I was, when, I, when we were dating, one of the things that, that uh, I wanted in a wife was a wife that, was, that came from a Christian family. And, you know, whenever you, before you get married, you have all these, like, standards that you're like, she needs to be this, 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 because I'm so good. You know, it's like this pride thing. And so you, anyway, so um, I was looking at all the things that she didn't have, all the things that weren't on my list. And I was like, I don't know if she's the right one because she doesn't have a Christian family and this and this and this, although her parents are very devout Catholics and come from a great family. Um, and so I was driving and I was just asking God, you know, God, is she the one? And, and he said, well, what are the things, why aren't you married? And I said, because of this and this and this and this. And then he said, then why are you still with her? And then I thought about it and I was like, because I love her. And I realized love is in spite of not being perfect. If somebody's perfect, then that's, it's easy to, that's not real love. Love, love loves through all, um, all fault and all whatever. So I realized at that point, I love this girl. That's why I'm with her. And then so I asked her to marry me. And thank Jesus, she said yes. <laughs> but Pastor Norman was the one that pushed me to that pushed me to that, um, that, that point uh, to make that decision. So he's going to be with us next week, and uh, we just came from ProSide. It was an amazing time with their leaders, and uh, I can't wait to have him here and to be speaking to, to all of us. And it's such, an, uh, such a cool thing because Pastor Norman, uh, my dad discipled Pastor Norman, Pastor Norman discipled me, and then now Pastor Norman is coming uh, to our church to speak. So it's going to be a great time. How many of you are having a good time jumping into the Word and doing soaps uh, as a, as, in small groups and as a church? Now, there's different ways that you can read the Word of God, um, but for this month, we're encouraging everybody to jump. Hey, Kat! Everyone say hi, Kat. She's a missionary out in, uh, Thai, um, in Taiwan. I always say Thailand, but Taiwan. So uh, how long are you here for? A month. Okay, awesome, awesome. If anybody's interested in doing missions to Taiwan, talk to Kat. She's the, she's the one. Um, I'm all over the place this morning. Soaps. Okay. You might be doing soaps all different, jumping into the word all different ways. We're encouraging our whole church to jump into to the system of soaps for this month. Um, one of the pastors on Oahu, he did this exercise. I want to do it with you this morning. Okay, at the count of three, I want you to say your favorite color. Okay, at the count of three. One, two, three. <laughs> okay, now, no matter what your co favorite color is, I just want all of you to stay magenta at the count of three. Okay, ready? One, two, three. 
Okay, now I want you to whisper it as a count of three. One, two, three. Wasn't that cool? When everybody's on the same page and doing the same thing, it's great that we all have our own ways to do the Bible, but the scripture says that where unity is, God commands a blessing. Everyone say commands. And I believe that as we come together and we do soaps together in the same way, that there is a blessing that God pours out on the church when we walk together as one. And so I just want to encourage you for, the, uh, for this month to jump into soaps. Um, kids are being incentivized to do soaps for a dollar per soap, and uh, it's really awesome to see the kids jumping into getting into the word. Um, today I want to talk about being a disciple, and there's a lot of people that say that they're Christians, especially in our, in our country, but what really is a Christian? What does it mean to follow Christ? And we're soaping through the book of Matthew. Each day we're taking uh, uh, the day of uh, the book of Matthew and soaping on, on that book. Um, if you don't understand what soaping is, there's on the back of our notes, uh, it talks about the, uh, the format of soaping. Uh, we're not going to go into that this morning uh, just to, for the sake of time. Um, but in Matthew 4, Jesus defined what a disciple is. And it's not Christians who change the world. It's disciples who change the world. People who follow Christ and then help others follow Christ as well. And there has never been a need for true disciples more than right now, especially on our island. There's so many people that are looking for solutions and looking for hope uh, in in what's happening right now uh, in our island. And there's so many different uh, problems that are facing our economy and, and all these different things. But the challenge that it really brings to the forefront is where is our hope? Because finances can fall apart, uh, people that we love can pass away, but if you're a disciple and if you have your faith that's founded on, on Christ, then nothing can shake that. And in, in fact, a lot of uh, people that I've talked to that has have their foundation in Christ, this time in our, in our community has made their faith even stronger. And so we want to, uh, there's a lot of people that are making decisions to follow Christ. Uh, last month we had three people get baptized. Uh, this past month we've had seven. There's another uh, next month that uh, about six others that are uh, making that decision to follow Christ. And so we really want to lay the foundation of what does it mean to follow Christ. And there's three things I want to talk about this morning that all comes from the short verse in Matthew 4:19. Let's let's read this verse together at the count of 3. 1 2 3. Then he said to them, "Follow me and I will make you fishers of men." There's three words that are underlined in that passage of scripture. Number 1 is them. He said to a group. Uh, it wasn't a person alone. He said, "Follow me." And I will make you fishers of men. And you can see, follow me is underlined and fishers of men are underlined. Discipleship is relationship. That's what it is. It's, it, Christianity is not a religion. It's, it's relationship. And God made us for relationship. And there's three different kinds of relationships that God has called us to grow in. And the first one is to follow him. Everyone say follow. The first relationship that God has called in, in dis, what this is, discipleship, is a relationship with Christ. And, and in our uh, social media-driven culture, everyone is looking for followers. Everyone wants to have more and more followers for their social media. And when we follow somebody, a lot of times it's like we're doing them a favor. But with 
following Christ, Jesus Christ is not looking for followers to boost his ego. Jesus Christ is looking for followers because followers of Christ are the ones that bring hope to this world. We're salt and we're light. And as we follow him, we become ambassadors, and he empowers us to be ambassadors for him. He doesn't need us to follow him. We need him. Amen? And so we don't want to follow him like we follow social media and just, like, click a, click a button. We want to change the way that we view life. We want to change the way that we act, think and act. And through that, we can change the destiny of our culture. So three different relationships. One is to follow him. Number two is to fellowship with other believers. It's so important to, uh, to fellowship with others. And then the last thing, to fish for men, to talk to other people who are going through a difficult time and then to share the hope that we have. So I'm going to jump into those three things this morning. Number one, uh, fellowship, connecting with other believers. Let's read this scripture together at the count of three. One, two, three. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as in the matter of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. I just want to commend every single one who's here this morning on a Super Bowl Sunday. You can give your guys selves a hand. Those of you that are watching online, that's great that you're watching online, but it's not as good as being here. <laughs> Jesus is here. He's not in front of your TV. I'm just joking. Kind of. The scripture says to forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. There's an anointing and a power when we come together. And not just in a corporate way here, but in small groups. And small groups are the thing that whenever I, I look back on my life or the, the, the lives of people that are in my small group, we can see that the, the deepest work and the greatest growth, whenever you ask uh, anyone in, in our groups, when was your walk with God the, the, the highest? When were you connecting with God the most? And, and you, you'll find without fail that when people are connected to other believers, that's when their walk with God is the strongest. And God just made it that way. He made it so that we can't walk this life alone. We have to do it with others. God, when, when a new life is birthed into this world, it's birthed into a family. It's birthed into relationship. And so in the same way that when a baby is born into this world and it's surrounded by family. We need to be surrounded by a spiritual family when we're seeking out what God and walking out what God has for us uh, in this world. Um, it's in, in our small group, that's, I'm surrounded by guys who love the Lord, who love their, their wives, who love their kids and want to be the best. And many of them have gone through very tough challenges. Uh, through addictions and divorces and all kinds of different things. And God has pulled them through it. And in pulling them through it, I see how there's ministry to the other guys that come to the group. And there's hope and there's healing. And it, it, it's such a powerful thing to see. And when, when two or more agree on anything, their prayers are answered and it will be done. And we've, this past week, um, Aaron, he's in our, he just started coming to our group about four months ago. And uh, his, his mom got really sick, went into the hospital. He texts to the group, hey, can you please pray for my mom? She just went into the hospital, found out that her kidneys are failing, and she has sepsis. And so, you know, Joe Onasai, the video that you guys watched uh, a few weeks ago, he was at the brink of death because of sepsis. And 
and was in a coma for four weeks, about four weeks before he got out of bed. I shot out a, a prayer uh, request to Robin and the intercessors. Our intercessors started praying, and in half a day, Aaron texted back and said, she's recovering. Um, the sepsis is, uh, she's responding very well to the antibiotics, and they say that the sepsis is out of her body. And so, how is she doing right now? She's Fever spike, but recovering. So God is, you know, God answers prayer. And let's, let's pray right now. God, we just uh, lift up Aaron's mother to you. And God, uh, we thank you that you are Jehovah Rapha, our healer. And Lord, that we can ask anything in your name and it will be given. We thank you for uh, taking her uh, out from danger yesterday. And we pray that you would continue to uh, heal her body in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. amen. When you have a group around you that knows your situation and loves you, it's such a powerful thing when the enemy attacks and when the enemy tries to steal from you, to be able to shoot a text and say, hey, this is going on in my life, can you pray for me? And you always want to dig your well before you're thirsty. You know, you don't want to wait until there's crisis and then go searching for people that, to surround you. You always want, you want to be intentional about the relationships that you have around you. And, and we have so many different small groups um, that, that anyone can be a part of uh, all throughout the week and after church. And I really want to encourage you that if you're not plugged into a small group, if you, if you don't have those relationships, um, to, to, to do that, and you won't regret it. It's the way that God has called us to be disciples. So to fellowship with other believers. Amen? Um, it was so cool to see, um, you know, uh, Callie get baptized last week. Uh, Callie is um, Corey and Mel's daughter. And what you, you saw her getting baptized, but what you didn't see is that she's a part of a small group. Uh, she's a part of a small group that Chris, um, Chris, where's Chris? So Chris is in kids' church, yeah. Uh, where is she? Oh, there's Chris. Everyone say hi, Chris. So Chris helps, uh, helps us with Sunday school and stuff, but she also runs a small group of girls that come to her uh, house, I think once a month or something, once a month on Fridays. And um, Matt says that he comes home and there's like 15 little kids running around his house and his wife is there doing, you know, the Bible stuff. For and so Callie wanted to get baptized. And I don't know if you guys noticed, but last week there was a whole row of, I don't know, eight girls. And they were all girls from uh, Chris's small group. And the reason why they came, and a lot of them don't come to church, but the reason why they came was they wanted to watch their friend uh, from small group get baptized. And so that was like such an awesome thing that from the time that uh, Callie is young, that she's growing up in a small group and understanding the power of uh, discipleship in the context of a small group. Um, why don't we give Chris a hand? I know she doesn't care about that and doesn't want me to point her out, but that's super amazing. And and. Chris is a teacher. She's an elementary or middle school teacher now because she's, uh, you know, a helicopter mom and she follows her kids all over the place. <laughs> she was elementary and then now she's middle school and then she's going to go to high school. You watch a couple <laughs> years, she's going to go to high school. Um, but she's using her gifts that God has given her to serve and, and to input into other people's lives and the lives of her kids and then the, the friends of her kids. One great thing, you know, that that we can do is not be afraid of uh, the influences that our kids have, but be proactive and jump in there and be a good influence to the lives of the friends of our kids so that we know 
that they're surrounded by good kids. Amen? Did that make sense? I know. <laughs> I didn't get a lot of sleep last night, so <laughs> please have grace on me. This is called Grace Bible, so thank you. Um, follow Christ. So second thing, follow Christ. Connect with Jesus through the word. Um, let's read the scripture together. It comes from John 5, 39. One, two, three. Jesus, you search the scripture, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. When we read scripture, and what we're doing uh, as a church and jumping into the word and soaping, is we're not doing it to just get a lot of knowledge or to become better than somebody else or whatever. We're jumping into scripture because we want to know who Jesus is, and we want to know him more. And... It's amazing when you read scripture and you're with other believers, how Jesus reveals himself to you through that. Um, it was in two conversations this past week with, uh, one was with Aaron and another was with Michael, uh, and they're both believers, and we were just talking about the book of Matthew because we're soaping through Matthew. And the question was asked, what does it mean to sin against the Holy Spirit? Because uh, it says that anybody who blasphemes against Jesus, his sins will be forgiven. But anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, that their sins will not be forgiven in this life or the life to come. And so I started thinking about that. And, and as we were talking, um, one of the, the thoughts that came to mind, and, you know, a lot of people say that it's when you sear your conscience, the Holy Spirit is convicting you, convicting you of sin, and you sear your conscience to a place where you don't care about sin, and therefore, when you sin against the Holy Spirit and he can no longer convict you of sin, then that can't be forgiven because you're just going to keep on sinning. Um, but I was thinking about when Jesus came to earth, nobody knew Jesus as a suffering servant. Nobody knew him as a lamb of God. The revelation up until that point was that God was Jehovah and nobody expected that he would take the form of man and that he would allow himself to be crucified and die and become the sacrifice for man's sin. It took many, many years for both uh, the Jewish people and the Gentiles to understand who Jesus Christ was, that he was the Son of God. He was fully God, fully man, and that he lived a life that we couldn't live, died a death that we deserve so that we can have a relationship with God. And it was a revelation of who Jesus Christ was that was new at that time, but now we understand it. In the same way, when Jesus Christ returns, a lot of people are going to look at Jesus Christ as the Savior. They're not going to look at Jesus Christ as the judge. It says that he's going to come back on a white horse with his robe dipped in blood and a sword to execute judgment on the earth. Now, how many of you have a picture of that on your wall? Like, most of us don't see Jesus like that. We see Jesus as our Savior hanging from a cross. But when we see him again, his return, he will look nothing like the Savior hanging on a cross. He will be the judge to come and rule and reign on this earth. And so when Jesus came the first time, he came as a Savior. And so people that reviled him and persecuted him and blasphemed him he came the first time to forgive the world of their sin. But he's coming the second time 
to judge the world of their sin. When your defender becomes your prosecutor, you have no defense. That's a scary thought. When your savior becomes your judge, who then defends you? And so what the Holy Spirit does from now till then is it says he convicts the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment because the prince of the world is judged and Jesus is coming back. And so if somebody blasphemes Jesus, that will be forgiven, but the Holy Spirit is preparing us and preparing the world for Jesus coming back, and not as a savior, but coming back as a judge. And so if we blaspheme against the Holy Spirit as he's convicting us of sin and he's preparing us for Jesus' return, there's no forgiveness of that when he comes back. Does that make sense? It's the first time that I've seen that in the context of these scriptures, and it came when I was talking to other believers about the word of God. So we want to know Jesus, and a lot of the revelation of Jesus happens when we're just conversing with other believers about the word. It doesn't happen when we're sitting alone. Some of it does happen when we're alone, but a lot of it happens. And, and, and are, am I boring, you guys? <laughs> Is this good? It's good. Okay. Um, it's like, and I, I give this example, but <clears throat> with my parents, I, I see different aspects of my parents through my siblings. Like, my dad loves my sister more than me. She's like the favorite child. And I see how nice he can be to her. And I'm like, man, my dad is so loving <laughs> to my sister. <laughs> but there's other areas that, that, when I converse with the word about my dad, with my dad, and I'm like, why does the scripture say this? Like, I'm reading this, I'm puzzled, I don't understand this. Like, why, why does this? And I can have, like, the greatest conversations with my dad about the word, and my sister doesn't know the word at all because she still needs to get saved. <laughs> but all of, all of our experiences with our parents are different because we're different, and we can see different angles and, different, and it's the same way with our relationship with God. Because we all have different experiences with God. Some of us have been healed of physical ailments. Some of us have seen financial miracles. Some of us have seen, uh, been delivered from addictions. And in every one of our experiences, we have a different facet that we can show others about the character of who God is. And it only happens through the context of connecting with other believers. And so I just want to encourage you this year... As we're going through 2004, and we want to be everything that God's called us to be, make, uh, make an effort to connect with other believers, make an effort to connect with Jesus through his word. And then the last thing is to fish for men, connect with seekers. Uh, let's read the scripture together at the count of three. One, two, three. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some call it slackness, but is long-suffering toward us not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Second Peter 3, 9. God, how many of you are grateful that God is patient with us? And that he's not just patient with us, it's, it's great that 
uh, we appreciate his patience with us, but how many are grateful that he's patient with your coworkers, and he's patient with your boss, and he's patient with the person that irritates you the most? God is patient with them too. And I love what Pastor Lance said last week about his brother that he never thought would come to know the Lord and that he saw that his brother come to know the Lord before he passed away. Right? Yes. Um, this next scripture, and, and God is calling all of us uh, to contend and believe for the salvations of those in our lives that we perceive as being hopeless or far from God. Second uh, Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. Let's read this at the count of three. One, two, three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us all in our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. You know, it's a powerful thing when you go through suffering and God, a lot of times God doesn't take the suffering away, but he comforts you in it. And how many of you have gone through suffering in the past four years? You know, through COVID, through Lahaina fires, through everything that we've experienced. How many of you have gone through some, some sort of suffering? That's it? <laughs> it's like some that are just like iron-clad, steel-backed people in here. Um, we've all gone through stuff. And what I've seen when push comes to shove is the people with the most strength that have been the greatest help to others in our community are people who have gone through crazy, intense suffering and trials previous to this time. And what this whole experience in the past four years has revealed to me is that strength, a lot of times strength comes only through suffering. And when we go through suffering with the right attitude, the whole purpose of it is that the comfort that we get from God is a powerful thing because it says that comfort that comes from God, that comes into our lives, we can comfort other people. And it's not comfort that we're giving. When you read this scripture, it says that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble. How many of you want to comfort people who are in trouble? And a lot of times you feel like powerless to do it. You see somebody hurting and it's like, I don't know how I can help. And I feel powerless to help. But what the scripture says is, we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble. How? It says, with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. There's a supernatural impartation to others, a super imp supernatural impartation of the comfort of God that goes through our lives when we have increased our capacity to feel the comfort of God through the process of pain. And so when you go through pain, understand that that pain has a purpose. That pain has a purpose because it increases your capacity 
to be comforted by God. When everything is going right in life, you don't need God's comfort. You don't need his healing. You don't need his presence. But when you go through pain and suffering, all of a sudden, your capacity to, to feel the comfort of God goes off the charts. And then when you feel the comfort of God and you're comforted with the comfort of God, it says, now you are able to comfort others who are in pain. Every pain that you go through has a purpose. And that purpose is for you to be a vessel of his comfort to the world. And I'm seeing that God is doing that in our church and in the lives of the people of our church. And before all of this, I thought pain was something to be avoided. I thought pain was something to be, to be overcome. I felt pain was something to be healed. But now I see that pain is something to embrace. It's something that increases our capacity to, to receive the comfort of God so that when others are in pain, we can give the comfort of God to others. Amen? Amen. How many of you are comforted with the word of God this morning? Every pain, yes, we can, we can give God a praise for that. Um, we're going to close this morning in a word of prayer, and I want, to, um, I want to give an opportunity. If you haven't received the Lord in your life, uh, I want to give that opportunity to you this morning. It says that if we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that we will have a relationship with him and we can be forgiven of our sins. So this morning I want to, um, uh, to do that, but I want to, uh, yeah, let's do that first. So uh, if that's you this morning, I just want you to, uh, repeat this prayer after me. It's not, a, it's not a magical prayer, but if you say it from your heart to the Lord, it's, it's the confession of your faith um, will save you. So let's, let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you that you died for my sin and that you died because you loved me. I admit this morning that I need you and that I cannot live this life without you. I give you my sin. I give you my pain. I give you my sorrows. I give you my fears and anxieties. And I ask you to come into my heart. God, I embrace the pain in my life knowing that it increases the capacity to receive your comfort. And I receive your comfort this morning. I ask you to walk alongside me. You promise in your word that you would never leave me, that you would never forsake me. And I thank you that from this day forward, my sins are forgiven, that I am cleansed, and that you are near. Heal my heart and use me to give your comfort to others. This morning, as you walked in, um, you received the elements this morning, and uh, just peel off the top. We're going to take the bread together. Dear Jesus, we thank you for 
your body that was broken for us, that through your body that we can receive healing. And God, we speak healing to our community, those that are suffering in the hospitals, those that are suffering uh, abroad and, and uh, different ones that we know of, Lord, that uh, their bodies are hurting, they're going through uh, sickness and fatigue and um, emotional and, and, and mental uh, uh, stress. Lord, we, we thank you for your body that was broken for us, that through your broken body and by your stripes that we have been healed. So God, thank you, Lord, that uh, you provided that. You're Jehovah Rapha. You are our healer. And we speak health. We speak healing to our community. In Jesus' name. God, I specifically lift up those who have family members who have committed suicide. Lord, we break the spirit of suicide over these families. Lord, the contagion that can spread and the hopelessness that can spread through suicide. God, we, we declare an end to that in Jesus' name. God, we pray that your spirit of hope, your spirit of comfort would be upon every single family. Lord, we pray for those who know you, Lord, that there would be divine encounters, Lord, where you would bring your hope and your peace uh, to these families that are hurting in Jesus' name. You can go ahead and take the bread this morning. peel off the top. God, we thank you, Lord, for your blood that was shed for the forgiveness of sin. Lord, that it's not just the forgiveness of our sin, but Lord, that you have cleansed us of the guilty conscience, that you've cleansed us of shame, and that you have clothed us with your righteousness. So we come before you and your table this morning, thanking you for what you have provided on the cross. We receive your forgiveness and your grace this morning. In Jesus' name, you can go ahead and take the cup. Lord, and in the same way that we have received forgiveness from you, we ask that you would make us vessels of your forgiveness and your grace to our community. We ask this in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, amen, amen. God bless you.